What's up, everybody? Coulter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, or analysis-based Big Sky Breakdown for the week. Just Brooks Nuanez, Ty Gregorak. Got all the goods. Won't waste too much of your time. We'll just get straight in to the conversation. Montana State coming off a 41-38 victory over NAU. The Cats moved to 6-0 in Big Sky Conference play, 8-1 overall. Number three in the country heading into their final regular season road game at Cal Poly. The Grizz coming off a 57-0 win over that Cal Poly team. Montana snaps a three-game losing streak. They are 3-3 in Big Sky Conference play, 6-3 overall. Ranked number 16 in this week's uh, national poll. A lot still in front of both these teams. And uh, the Grizz, they play Eastern Washington in their final regular season home game this week in Missoula. Thanks to all of our great sponsors here at the uh, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity, JNV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen, Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Nick will have his financial tip of the week for you next uh, episode. That's tomorrow, Friday, so check that out on the Big Sky Breakdown. Blackfoot Communications, helping you connect to more. And Town Pump. Town Pump's been keeping us fueled up all football season long. Town Pump by the mile. Appreciate Town Pump for helping us make the rounds all the way around the Big Sky Conference. And thanks to our Fit During Football sponsors as well. The Hype House, down there on Tool, Spin Studio, and got some new strength classes as well. Great for the body and mind. Hot House Yoga, keeping you centered and mindful all football season long and uh, elevate nutrition plus nutrition on reserve partnering uh, brother sister whatever you want to call them stores keeping the protein intake the hydration the digestion all sorts of great stuff there at elevate nutrition and nutrition on reserve here's brooks nuanas big sky breakdown skylightsportsmt.com yo 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 big sky breakdown what's up everybody it's uh i don't know four or five inches of snow and counting as we are sitting here in missoula maybe more uh it's uh it's pretty crazy uh but this was started happening on saturday night while we were sitting down there at washington grizzly stadium and i wish that i could wax poetic and talk about how romantic and wonderful our night on saturday night at washington grizz was but in my personal opinion not my football analysis opinion but my personal opinion it was excruciating because i just do not like covering sporting events that are pre preordained conclusions that are preconceived notions it's it just drives me crazy and then when the grizz were up 14 nothing like you pretty much almost expected them to be and the skies open up and it just completely covers washington grizzly stadium and snow faster than i've ever seen uh two things happened cal poly gave up and most of you people listening to this went home so you know it was just a lackluster deal not to not to say though it was it was a it was a good win by montana because it was the win that they had to have and they did it in resounding fashion, 57 to nothing. I still don't know what I take from this. But, I mean, from a uh, coverage perspective, quite interesting. Brooks Nuanas, who joins us now here on the Big Sky Breakdown, he was on the sideline. And it was a little hairy out there for a minute trying to take the pictures, right? Yeah, it was It was, It was. was snowed as hard as it's ever snowed in my entire uh, photography career by a lot. Uh, luckily, Washington Grizzly, the north and south end zone, has an overhang. That's probably about five feet of concrete that overhangs. So most people could just get behind, like underneath that. That saved the day. I mean, there was a lot of like student photographers and stuff that were just rolling with no coverage, uh, you know, plastic over their camera stuff. And like, I literally offered it to several of them because I was like, "You, I'm not kidding. This is like the one weather condition that's going to mess your camera up." Uh, so that yeah, it was definitely not like super ideal. Luckily, Coulter, I was insanely prepared. I had snow pants on, which like I don't really ever do, and I couldn't tell you how thankful I was for that. Uh, it was wet, heavy snow too. Like it, it snowed so hard. I put up some fo- a photo gallery on our on our gamer story. If anyone wants to go check that out, it was it was challenging to photograph, but fun nonetheless. I would say if someone's going to wax poetically, that the snow absolutely one hundred percent saved my night because I would not have enjoyed it otherwise. Um, I. I'm in the same camp. I don't love games that are uh, a foregone conclusion at the first kick. Cal Poly, honestly, I very rarely feel bad for, for players or people and stuff. Like, I, I kind of just felt bad for them. Like, they just weren't prepared for that at all. Like, you know, like talking to people who have never been in snow, like, it might, like, you know, have some flurries. Like, that was a whole different game. Like, that was a whole different, like, style of weather. That sucked. Nick Osmo went nuts. I learned that. Not surprised because he's, he's got nuts every time he's got, the, you know, 20 carries. He always goes nuts. Big, strong back. Hasn't been healthy. I feel like he's been in Montana for six years and he's a sophomore. <laughs> we'll get to some of the uh, the pluses and minuses of the Grizz, but my biggest takeaways from this game from an uh, analysis standpoint were that 
One, the narrative of the rebuild at Cal Poly is uh, an apt one. It's a real one, but they're way farther away than I thought they were going to be. I keep trying to ask myself, though, we've seen rebuilds and we've seen teams that have, have uh, gotten on track by you know in year two. And Cal Poly is like year two and a half because they played part of the spring season last year as well. And Bo Baldwin's a guy we like a lot. He's been very good to us uh, here at Skyline Sports. Always taking my calls, always you know giving me time, and uh, always had you know personal conversations with me whenever I run into him and stuff as well. I think he's a great coach. He's taught me a ton about football. I think I want to believe his staff is really good. I know Paul Wolf's very good. Paul Wolf's one of the best offensive line coaches, at least in terms of resume and accomplishment uh, that the biggest guy's seen. And he was a great head coach during his time at Eastern as well. But I keep trying to ask myself if Cal Poly is super behind in this rebuild for for what reason. Because Coach Baldwin came on my ESPN radio show last week, and he talked about how they really had to revamp the whole strength and conditioning program there, which is interesting because Cal Poly used to be very physically formidable. Maybe it's just a new style of training that they need to be under. I don't, I don't know. But you could tell last week. I thought they had three gigantic issues. One, they had no, they had no semblance of being able to physically hang with Montana from a strength and conditioning point of view. None. Two, they're young. Okay, that's fine. You're rebuilding. You know, you're starting true freshman at corner. You're starting, you know, a lot of freshmen and sophomores all over the place. Okay, that's acceptable too. But three, they they had like no desire either. So the two things I've been really questioning myself about in that analysis though is this: one, did they have no desire because of the elements? Like, did was it exclusively because they just got down fourteen nothing and then the snow came, or you know, I mean, they couldn't tackle. Nick Osmo had a nice day. The offensive line played better. Lucas Johnson being back was huge for the Grizz. You can't give up 412 yards rushing to a Montana team that has been pretty average at best running the ball. So where, where, where are we at with the effort? That was very disappointing from the Cal Poly point of view. But also, though, is my ability to analyze rebuilds skewed because you can start making progress by year two because you can take 14 transfers from the FBS. I mean, Montana State, for example, when Jeff Choke got there from year one to year two, well, they brought in Bryce Turk and Amandre Williams and Jacque Allen and a, b- a bunch of like F Power 5 starters. You look a lot better year two when you got Travis Johnson <laughs> compared to you know whoever else you might have had getting the ball. Cal Poly can't take those guys. They got no transfers. I mean, the Coleman kid was their most prestigious transfer, the receiver. He's from Fresno State. The quarterback, Spencer Brash from Cal. Those guys were fine. Pretty okay. I mean, they're two of their better players. So, I don't know. Maybe we're not uh, giving enough leash to Cal Poly. I still want to believe that Bo Baldwin will get it going there, but I was very disappointed. I thought Cal Poly would be way more competitive, and I thought they would just find some semblance of being able to hang. But, I mean, that game was all over but the crying in the first quarter. Yeah, I think you made some good points, Coulter. I, I think that Cal Poly, uh, rain, snow, or sun is giving up 57 in that game, kind of no matter what. I think they would have scored if it wasn't yeah. snowy. They they had they had no chance. It's like, if you've never done that, it's, it's really hard to play in. Well, I thought the biggest part that they didn't have a chance in is against Montana, when they're really putting the pressure on you, you have to flip the field. Because if you just play on one side of the field, that's, that's what they are all, all about. Montana actually has a really hard time when they have to play on the whole field. If they just play on their 50, they're going to kill you. They couldn't punt. That was the Cal Poly's biggest problem. They couldn't punt. Yeah, they couldn't do anything. And just the footing and like the like they literally when they by the time they got something maybe figured out like mentally, you're already down like 42 nothing. You're just getting just steamrolled. So I think they would have scored. I, I'm not saying they would have put up 20 points. I who knows? I think that they would have gotten the end zone if not kicked a couple field goals. Uh, the the effort I agree with you was was relatively disappointing from Cal Poly. But I mean I'm not that surprised. I do think that you made a good point, Coulter, about the the transfer portal and rebuilds. I, I think it's really hard to to if you can't utilize the portal at will i think it's going to be so hard for teams because there's so many teams that can use it they can get any position they want as a drop down at any time they want in the offseason and cal poly we're talking about it mostly due to academic standards we're not talking about football players not being smart we're talking about cal poly being like a top 20 institution as, as far as uh how wh- what what it takes to get into cal poly as an academic school so Bo Baldwin has his hands full. I don't see when it's going to change. I mean, again, though, you're you got the recruiting base, and if you get you know some nice days in, in San Luis Obispo, you can get some home wins. Like, I mean, you can end up going 500. I just don't see when they'll be competitive in the league. Well, it's crazy though because they were really competitive in the at the Big Sky and in the FCS level for for years. It's because they were running the flex defense and the triple option, and like you're no matter what, those are that's good for. If you have a bad team, that's good for three wins, just due to getting people, uh, you know, that aren't used to that and can't prepare in a week. 
It's true, but also you run schemes to mask talent deficiencies, but Cal Poly also had great talent. Like some of the best players, like if we were just to rap right now and name the best dudes we've seen at the FCS level, Big Sky or otherwise, over the last 15 to 20 years, we would name like 10 to 12 Cal Poly guys. I mean, Nick DeZubnar, Cameron Ontgo, Johnny Millard, Marcus Page Allen. There's four defensive guys right there. Chris Brown, the former quarterback, Ramsey, Ramsey Barden. I mean, Joe, Cup of Joe, baby. I mean, Joe Prothero is one of the memorable, most memorable players in Skyline Sports history. We wrote a feature about Joe Prothero each year. We had him on the podcast all the time. I mean, averaging 160 yards a game on the ground in college is, a, is just an absurd number. It's a silly number. As a fullback in the triple option office, I mean, Joe Prothero is a legend in the Big Sky Conference, man. He's, he's one of the most unforgettable players we've ever covered. I didn't see any guys like that on Cal Poly. So, you know, maybe it's coming. Um, they are getting a new facility. Uh, John Madden gave him a bunch of money, so they're going to have a new facility. You know, Brooks was also explaining the academic parts. There's a lot of academic schools. Or there's a lot of academically oriented schools that are pretty good at football. I mean, I think that people have heard of Notre Dame. You know, they've heard of they heard of Stanford. You know, University of Washington's a really good school. Even Cal Berkeley, who's struggled, but they've had times where they've been good and they've had pros and all that. Cal Poly, no one's ever been able to really explain the detail of it to me. But I think because of it, it's a polytechnic institute. I think part of it falls on math. And I think that it truly is like, it's not that it's way harder than Yale. It's that you have to have a specific curriculum of math credits to be able to transfer in there. So it's not that they can't get guys to transfer that are smart enough to be there. It's just really hard to find anybody that's already been in college that has taken the correct polytechnic classes to be able to be at, at Cal Poly. So I think that's the uh, probably the biggest uh drawback and uh you know so maybe we do have to give them grace here's the thing though you don't go out and get bo baldwin from a pac-12 school and then get a huge donation and start building a new facility unless you're in it for the long haul if you're cal poly you can't just like have impatience with bo baldwin you have to see this thing out for five six seven years and if you give coach baldwin five or six seven years i think that he'll he'll get it rolling it's big sky breakdown skylightsportsmt.com is presented by blackfoot communications Thanks to Blackfoot for all their continued sponsorship of everything that we do. We got one more college game day, uh, ESPN Radio. Uh, we broadcast for a couple hours before each Grizz home game. We'll be down there at the Chamber of Commerce parking lot on Saturday, November 12th. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff against Eastern Washington. So we'll be on the air from 11 until 1230 before the game. And uh, uh, Blackfoot Communications is one of our presenting sponsors of our pregame tailgate party. Uh, Blackfoot's been so great in uh, helping us with all of our business development and also helping you connect to more uh, for more information, visit blackfoot.com. Takeaways from the Grizz performance in this one? I mean, the, the, the defense was status quo, you know, just what you can't expect. It's a terrible matchup, too, though, because Cal Poly runs so much of these, like, little slip screens and stuff like that. Like, they do things to try to make you tackle in space, and the Grizz defense is built to tackle in space. They have some of the best open field tacklers in the conference in guys like Marcus Wilnell and Robbie Houck and Nash Fouch. So that part was a bad matchup. I don't, I, I don't really think we were ever really going to be evaluating the defense in this game, though. You expected them to play great, especially in the snow. What are your takeaways from the Grizz offense? Because, you know, empty calories for sure, but 695 yards is the second most in school history. They rushed for 412. Nick Osmo had 221 yards on the ground, and they scored 57 points. Again, as a terrible opponent, but it, it, was a, it was a lot better than 114 yards against Weber State, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I wasn't planning on really what we called at the top, uh, you know, waxing poetically over Lucas Johnson, but I do want to make some points because I do think it's important for, for our listeners who – who are kind of wondering where we're at with the quarterback situation. And, you know, I spoke about it before the season and kind of during those first couple of weeks with Lucas Johnson at the helm that I thought that this Grizz team was a really well-rounded team, that they had a lot of ability to, you know, beat teams defensively. We were, you know, you, you thought they projected to be good on special teams, and that's, you know, they've been they've been just fine. I think that compared to what the standard is, obviously way below what Coach Houck has produced throughout the year, especially with the depth they have on the roster and kind of the want to and willingness of, of the uh, culture of their program. But I said that if Lucas Johnson was the real deal, that this team had a real good chance to make a deep run in the playoffs and had, had a look at a national championship if he was the real deal. Early in the season, they were creative on offense. We talked about that a lot. We, we, we saw some new wrinkles that were, that were really interesting. I thought they became more dynamic on offense. Still weren't able to run the ball great, but Lucas Johnson was able to use his feet to, you know, turn broken plays into positive yardage and all that stuff I thought was very positive. 
Um, a lot of people have asked me, do I think that if Lucas Johnson is healthy, that they beat Sack? And if Lucas Johnson plays against Weber, do they beat Weber? We can't say that. You know, we can't say that with certainty. I do think that they would be, you know, they're one score games and they're, they're arguably their best offensive player wasn't on the field against top five teams back to back. So, of course, I think that the Grizz have a better chance if Lucas Johnson is in there um, in both of those games. But, again, we can't say that. What I saw from Lucas Johnson in his first snow game of of his life, probably the worst weather he's ever played at, never been been prepared to play in a game like that. No one really can prepare for that style, except today at practice. They're going to have something similar. I thought he was poised. I thought at times for the conditions he was borderline electric. Uh, I thought he threw the ball uh, with tremendous accuracy. I thought he made some pre-snap stuff that Coach Hout talked about in the postgame I thought was really good. Um, I think that Lucas Johnson is one of the better quarterbacks the Grizz have had in the last decade in, in a big reason because I talk a lot about staring down the barrel when I'm talking about looking down a big uh, camera lens. I can see his face. I can see kind of how he's what, what he's how he's operating, what he's saying at the line of scrimmage, what, what kind of poise does he have at post-snap. And, and Colter, there's been some guys that I think really light up the, the, the scene in Montana you know, all the way back to like Super Dave, but then recently like, you know, the Dalton Sneeds of the world. And they, they are always pressing. They always have like this this urgency to them that I think people are really drawn to. But I think that true quarterback get people are like, well, that's not necessarily like that urgency is actually, it makes you tight. It makes it so that in the seventh inning when you're pitching the World Series, that you start throwing grounders or you start, you know, throwing, you start piping stuff and dudes are starting to take you yard. Pressing nature, I don't think has always been so positive. I think it's something that Coach Houck's kind of drawn to, obviously, or like the program itself. Like, if everyone's going to be tough, I have to be the toughest dude, too. And Lucas Johnson has had this ability to avoid all that, and he plays California cool. He literally, when he rolls out, he his face, he looks so happy. Like, he looks like it's just, I got this. And his arm action is never, like, overthrown. He never, like, whips it around. He's never like, why did you, ooh, I haven't seen him throw it like that. He always just throws it almost the same has great tremendous uh touch and he can put some spin on it but he has great touch and his post sap stuff Coulter, they have done some play actions where it's such a broken play and it's so wide open he's probably thrown four or five six touchdowns this year where it's literally just a handoff into the end zone where he's throwing it you know 10 12 15 yards and all of that is based on him and his action the play action the way it looks is all based off the quarterback. You know, everyone everyone matters in that scenario, but you get what I'm saying. It's driven by the quarterback, and he has such great uh, pace when it comes to that. So I was really impressed by his play. I think that if he continues to, to get better and, and they can be more creative on offense, I really do think that they could – go back to where they were before the, th- the three-game slide, and I think that they could take you know some, some tremendous leaps relatively quickly. A couple things there. One, I, th- I have always thought that – and I actually think that if you really were to, to put Bobby Houck's feet to the fire and make him answer truthfully, I've always thought that the perfect quarterback for Bobby Houck's style, not his system but his style, is someone that's confident enough – to be above the Coach Houck, thumb on everything, thumb on everybody. The thing is, Bobby Houck's only had three quarterbacks like that in his entire time at Montana. Craig Oaks, Cole Berquist, and Lucas Johnson. We're great friends with Cole. The way that Bobby tried to put his thumb on Cole for the whole time that I was in college, the first couple years, it got in Cole's head a little bit, but he kept going, he kept going. And then by the time he was a junior and a senior, Cole's press conferences when he was sitting next to Coach Houck reminded me exactly of Lucas Johnson, although Cole is a lot more of a smartass and a guy that would always make sure to, to needle, you know, get make sure to say something that Coach Houck was like, huh? You know, always make sure to be a little controversial. But if you watch Lucas Johnson, that's the point I'm making, though, is if you watch Lucas Johnson at the press conferences, Every guy that is a Grizz, there's a couple guys that are a little bit older that are above it, just a little bit, but when they're sitting there talking, they're looking out of the corner of their eye. And when they're talking, Bobby Houck has got his head down listening intently to make sure that everybody's saying the company line, that everybody has read the manual. Everybody's given the, we're a good team, they're a good team, we're going to play hard, we got to execute. You know, It's the same thing. It doesn't even matter what you ask any of the Grizz. The same shit they're going to tell you every single time except for one guy, Lucas Johnson. Lucas Johnson has the confidence to be himself and be funny and like engage with the media and still sort of toe the company line. That's the type of thing. That I think if you held Bobby Houck's feet to the fire, he'd tell you that's what he wants his quarterback to be. The second best option is Dalton Sneed, the ultimate you know, soldier, the, the, the colonel to Bobby Houck's general. 
who's, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, where to do it this way, blah, blah, blah. That's, a, that's the second best way you could do it. But the best way to do it is to have the guy that's above all of it because then, you know, his omnipresent confidence can sort of permeate the entire team. So I think that that's when Lucas Johnson is right, what makes him a great fit for the team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting to analyze that element of it. Secondly, though, you talk about the post-snap stuff, I also think there's so much pre-snap. I think one of the most underrated parts of what the – not even underrated, under-talked about parts of what the Grizz are doing is – I don't know how nobody's really pointed this out because even Bobby Houck has like sort of pointed it out second-handedly. The Grizz are running the straight hurry-up. Like They don't huddle. There's no, there's no under-center or huddle at all, period. They're running the straight hand signals, signs on the sidelines, Oregon hurry-up. That's what they're running. Okay, that's good. But you have to have pre-snap checks when you run that kind of stuff. I don't think any of the quarterbacks on the roster besides Lucas Johnson can make those pre-snap checks. So it's not just the the motion here or the audible there or the, you know, getting into this play. That stuff affects the run game more than the pass game. Like when people are asking like what the Cats are doing, Tom Mullock gets them in the right run play so often based on the pre-snap check. That's why they run for 300 yards a game. That's part of the reason why Montana had such good success in the run game this last week because he got them into the right play. Yeah, he did, and a lot of that, it's very true, Colter. I mean, knowing what you want to do with your gaps and what you want your offensive linemen to do with their their job pre- and post-snap is so important, and it's challenging, man. I mean, because you you, you, if you identify one thing wrong, it's not only a, 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 you know, a bad play. It could be a broken play. I mean, you could you can have turnovers and, and, and such for, and get negative game script going, and Lucas Johnson's done a great job of mitigating that. I mean, he's a cool character, man. I I, I knew it when I first met him, and, and I, I think I continue to see it, especially when you go through some adversity like that three-game slide. I mean, looking back on it, you know, I'm not a big fan of the – it was the best thing that ever happened to us, but, you know, there's I think that there's positives the Grizz can take away. I think that they – They'll be frustrated with the sack game more than the Weber game, but you know Weber without Lucas Johnson, Chris Brown maybe didn't have a real chance. But that sack game, they were right in it, man. And you know sometimes that adversity is is good for a team. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Town Pump. We'll be on the road uh, some more this uh, upcoming month, including a road trip over to Bozeman, and Town Pumps helped us stay fueled up. Uh, we needed that Town Pump gift card bad on the way back from Bozeman last time. I had to make sure we were full of gas before we drove through that blizzard snowstorm following Montana State's last home game. But appreciate Town Pump keeping us fueled up all year long. Go sign up for that Town Pump Rewards program. You're going to get discounts on fuel and anything at Town Pump Food Stores. Town Pump Montana is the best. This is a point we keep on making, and I want to just continue to reemphasize it. When you're running modern day college offenses, when people are sitting in the stands saying, ah, the play calling sucks, half the time they're not calling plays, they're calling concepts. And what the concept is, it's a formation or a concept. And then you check into what you see. And so, so often, like when in the middle of the game against Northern Arizona, when Montana State couldn't stop throwing the back shoulder fade, that's the pre-snap look that NAU is giving you. So when you're Brent Vegan and Taylor Housewright and Tommy Mallott, you have to keep throwing the back shoulder fade based on the box they're giving you until you hit one to then back the defense off. Or then you have to have a you have to reallot and go with an entirely different package, an entirely different scheme, an entirely different script to get into something else. So when it feels like you're beating your head against a door, 
you are. And that's why Northern Arizona is doing it because they can. So it comes down to the the quarterback being able to make the throw or settling in. But also then I think like when people are saying, why don't we give this back more carries? Why don't we give that back more carries? Again, a lot of times you're running straight RPO and when the ball snapped, it's time a lot. There is no play calling happening whatsoever. Whatever he reads, he can give, he can keep, he can throw. And so there's a lot of moving parts. That's why though, at the end of the day, you stay with trying to develop a guy like Tommy Mallott. Because right now he's making the decisions at a really, uh, he's making the good, the best decision, pretty high rate, probably, probably, probably 65, 35 right now. But as he continues to get more reps, as he starts to see more of the pictures, Brent Megan talks about this all the time, as he starts to see more pictures, he's been in more scenarios, then all of a sudden you take off and you're seeing an 85-15 and then you're like Nick Foles and you're leading the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl because you're just so red hot that it doesn't matter what the defense shows you, you got the answer. And uh, so I, I just want people to understand, like, sometimes it's not a play call. It's, it's, a, it's a concept that leads to this. But at the end of the day, that's why the Cats and their style and their attitude and their mentality is so impressive. Because you can't beat your head against the concrete wall for two and a half quarters and blow a 17-0 lead. But at the end of the day, when you get the ball last, you're going to win the game because you have the guys that believe that you're going to. And that's why their whole culture right now is so impressive because you can honestly just play like shit. I mean, the Cats have played like shit for stretches of games more than any other team out of the top six teams in the Big Sky Conference this year. They're sitting at the top of the league because when they play well, they play well late and they play well and they win. That's what's so amazing about them being at the top of the league standings right now. Yeah, it's a good point offensively, Coulter. I mean, a lot of folks don't understand that. And I know that can be ch- kind of a challenging concept. But I mean, I've heard an interview with Peyton Manning one time where someone was, I think it was him, Marvin Harrison, and someone else, and, you know, the interviewer. And, and, and Marvin Harrison was making fun of Peyton Manning, saying that he's, never, that he's never called a play in his entire life. That he had an NFL career where there was never a single play called. It's only concepts. That's it. And, you know, concepts, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of concepts, but there's less than you think. You know, there is, let's call it, you know, if there's 15 passing concepts with out of out of doubles out of you know two receivers to one side well there's 15 and then there's you know eight eight offenses or defenses you can see and you can kind of do the multiplication there so it becomes quite massive but really it's they're all the same they're all the same concept within just a different look it's all the same thing like it's like almost like a high school offense when it really breaks down to it. There's only like four or five, maybe six routes you can run, but it just depends where you line up, how deep you get, all that stuff. So it's, it's really more or less it keeps it simple. It's how you be, you see all these college teams be able to run the hurry up. Endless hurry up in college, right? That's why it's so frustrating to watch the Grizz sometimes because they so often, like you're saying, you have these concepts, but then you also just have like option routes and guys just run option routes. And so often the Grizz don't do that. They like have these stringent route combos. If you're not running the right option route against the right coverage, it just looks like a total mess. And so that, that is one other point worth making about the Grizz. For sure. But Tommy Malott is doing it at such a high level. I think he's worth talking about. You know, I keep hammering quarterbacks here, but uh, you know, we t- I, t- I talked a lot when he was injured and Sean Chambers was kind of rolling that I would continue with, with Sean Chambers. Little did I know how beat up Sean Chambers was, how injured he was. Obviously, he's had some ri- like you know lower leg stuff, knee or ankle. He's had some rib stuff. He's probably had some head stuff. You know, he took a lot of big hits. And but I think that what you're saying, Coulter, is probably the right answer to the Tommy Malott uh, equation. Is that you got to continue to feed him the pictures because of the decision making ability, and also when his when his athletic ability is right, when he does get the right play called and the and the right option, either to pull it or keep it or throw it, uh, when all that is aligning i mean he's one of the most dynamic athletes in the league and i think that that's where you continue to to lean on that development so i i do like that concept and obviously you know those coaches know a whole lot more than i do about what his you know internal development has been like so it's been really interesting and and, and awesome to see tommy a lot thrive i think montana state the big thing right now is what does the future of that of that running back room look like i think that you know the garrett coons of the world you know, the Elijah Elliott's of the world. There has been some really good stories. Uh, R.J. Fitzgerald playing at a very high level as a senior, uh, catching balls out of the backfield. He's scored like four touchdowns this year. You know, I don't think he's ever scored in his life. He's been like a special teams guy. So they've had some guys really step up in that room. As the season rolls on, Coulter, I don't know if it's just plug and play as you get deeper into the playoffs, as you play more formidable teams. So what does the future of that running back room look like? I think it's probably relatively important to get someone like Lane Sumner back in the fold. And, you know, Cat Grizz is going to be darn physical. If you have to hold someone out all the way to Cat Grizz and all of a sudden you play him in Cat Grizz just because it's Cat Grizz and all of a sudden that looks, you know, pretty banged up and like the playoffs could be, you know, that, that, that can be a tough road to sled if you start to that room has more attrition in it so again we're impressed with up front but i'd love to see kind of where that running back room is and and uh if they can get like a you know a, 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 st- a some stability to it at the very least last thing here on the cats 
what where's your level of uh, confidence or concern with the defense? Because Bertie Gruby played his best game of the season this last year or this last week against NAU. Their defensive line's been, I'd say, good, good, good to good to very, at times very good. Flashes are very good, but good, I think. Their linebackers have been okay. I think Calvin O'Reilly's been good. I think their linebackers been okay, and I think the secondary's been subpar. And uh, I think part of that is maybe just the, the stuff they're being asked to do. They're being left on islands a lot more. And uh, they, I mean, they gave up. They got torched on on uh, Saturday. I mean, R.J. Martinez, who's the real deal, by the way, but 452 yards through the air. They had multiple 100-yard receivers. And uh, you'd like to think that the talent is there. I mean, they have guys that are talented. Uh, but where are we at the Bobcat defense overall? I think it's been extremely disappointing. Uh, one note is, you know, I'm not a doctor here, but I'm not going to say that Brody Greeby tore his hamstring off off the bone. But, I mean, I thought he tore his hamstring. So that was a, it was a pretty bad injury. It looked terrible. And his reaction and kind of the tests they were doing and stuff, was it was, it was no bueno. So I think he's out for, you know, at least a week, if not two or three. I mean, if they have a bye in the first round of the playoffs, like he might not play till the third round. You know, if they're in the second round opening at home, he might not play even then. I mean, it was it was a real injury. The kind of growth that he's had physically, I mean, sometimes you really worry about an injury like that. But here nor there, he played really well. The defensive line, there's kind of stars, right? There's a star-driven defense. There's really bright points and there's really weak points. With Danny Yu being out, Callahan O'Reilly's been the most steady tackler on the teams, at least in the second level. Ty Okada has had a little bit of regression after playing at such a high level, obviously. So, you know, you hope that Ty Okada is, is your absolute defensive leader. He's leading your team in tackles. He's getting in the backfield. You're blitzing him some. It hasn't really been that formula quite yet. Um, obviously, still some season left to go. Nolan Askelson has been a little bit up and down. I think he's a tremendous player. I thought he, he was in line to start this season. You know, the beginning of the season was was kind of that third linebacker that was rotating in or that second linebacker in the in the 425 so he was kind of that you know next man up and and with Danny Yu out he's played a little bit more had a personal foul in a game you know he's had a couple issues uh I'm sure he can sure up and I'm sure he'd want to he's kind of one of those guys that plays with his head on fire not always out of position by any means but you talk about Nolan Askelson in the middle and then the safeties have been the weak point right I mean Jeffrey Manning has played poorly this year Kendrick Bailey's not played great you get uh Rylan Ort back and everyone says the savior's back look how much better they are on defense with Rylan Ort I didn't really see it like that I think Rylan Ort's a great player but it's his first you know he can only get a couple games before the playoffs start um, it's hard to find your groove so I think this that 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 middle of the field uh is really vulnerable um especially with pass plays so I, Coulter, I mean to be completely honest they need to commit to outscoring teams because they're really not stopping many people and they're they haven't been electric on special teams and that's a really unique that's quite a transition from the last like six or seven years of just truly bludgeoning people on defense it is not that at all but that's what they've committed to doing, it seems like. I mean, they're scoring 42 points a game. You know, I mean, you win in 41-38, and you're winning 38-35. I mean, you're winning 43-38. It's working. I mean, they're doing it. They're getting a lot of two-for-ones where they have, like, a 10-play drive where they score, and then they give up a touchdown in three plays. And they get it back and have another 14-play drive. So they're like, at times they're going 24 plays for 14 points compared to someone's, like, five plays for seven points. And I think that they're really – I mean, they're st- that's a different way to wear teams out. It's, it's much less consistent as far as you can't bank on what you're going to get into, what kind of game you're going to get into. I mean, I think the NAU win this week – uh, this last past weekend, hard place to play. The Cats are, I think, on the on the TV. They said they were four and fourteen at the Walk Up Sky Dome, the worst record in the league. Has won there since two thousand eight. Coulter says. So, I mean, all of that being said, they they should stomp that NAU team. I mean, R.J. Martinez, that quarterback for NAU, as you mentioned, Coulter, the real deal. He is the best quarterback I have seen this year. By a lot, I agree. I thought he was the real deal. We'll see if he still stays in the league or transfers out. I mean, he was real, real good. Anyone who watched that game, Cat fans know, he had a throw that was 60 yards in the air at one point. I mean, it was an absolute bomb. I mean, I haven't seen someone throw it like that since Eric Berrier probably. You know, that was recent, but he's got a better arm than that. He's more of a pro-style quarterback than that. So I was impressed, but still, the Cats should roll in that game. They didn't, so you get a good win on the road or a win on the road. I wouldn't call it a good one. You have to be happy with that, but I think the the defense has to be concerning. Brooks Duana, ScottSportsMT.com. You can also find him every Thursday during the 5 o'clock hour, all football all the time, presented by SportsBet Montana, where we'll talk some NFL and some NFL picks against the spread. Appreciate all of our fine sponsors for helping bring this Big Sky Breakdown to you, including Nick Tabor and Westback Wealth. Nick's back in the saddle. He's been out of town for the last couple weeks, so we'll have a financial tip of the week from Nick a little later on, but let Westpac Wealth make your life more tax efficient. They have all sorts of great tips and strategies they can give you from investments and anything financial. So 
uh, give Nick and his team a call today. More on the Big Sky Breakdown right after this. Ty Gregorak, our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports, breaking down what he saw live and in person down in Flagstaff and talking about the dynamic of the Montana Grizzlies. Why is it that they always smash the opponents they're supposed to and have some uphill sledding when they uh, are in more even even matchups? We'll talk about all that and more next. Keep it right here. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on, and wow, all of a sudden it is winter in the state of Montana. I was supposed to start this call with uh, Coach Ty, Ty Gregorak, about 20 minutes ago, and uh, I had to ride the roller coaster all the way down from the South Hills here in Missoula. Ty, how's it going over there? What's it like in Bozeman? Not good, man. I, uh, I, I've snow blown three days in a row, and it's still uh, early November. So I, I wasn't, I don't think mentally I was prepared for this yet. So uh, this might be one of the only times that I ever say this in my life, but I'm really fired up to go to California this weekend. <laughs> no kidding. Well, good. Well, we'll get to the uh, Cal Poly matchup, but first and foremost, we got to start with Montana State because the Bobcats, they just keep finding ways to win. And I, I find it amazingly compelling to analyze because you can sit here and you can nitpick all the things that this team could do better and the mistakes that they make to set themselves up in these situations where it is coming down to the wire. But guess what? They figure out a way to win every single week. And now here we are, and you can't say it's just luck because they got a 30-game sample size. I mean, they've won 25 out of their last 29 games. And under Brent Vegan, they've only lost twice to FCS opponents. And that was in a rivalry game in Missoula and a national championship game in Frisco, Texas against North Dakota State. Last week, the Bobcats pull out a 41 38 victory over Northern Arizona in walk-off fashion. And I think that this this won't-be-beat attitude that they keep preaching, plus just the, the competitiveness of their quarterback, man. I mean, Tommy Mallott, again, you could analyze him up and down in terms of what he is and what he could be and what he could do better. But I want that guy to have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. He, he throws an absolute dime to Taco Dollar for a 65-yard gain to set that thing up. You were there on the call for MTN on the color commentary there for the TV broadcast and flag staff what'd you see what'd you think because this is a pretty amazing run montana state is on all the different ways they found uh, how to win yeah i mean just just uh to start where you started it's pretty it's pretty special you know and you and i were talking uh right before the call you know when we first got here in you know 16 17 we 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 legitimately found ways to lose games like i i, I will be the first to say the talent level is not on par with what it was when, when we got here under Choate's regime in those first couple of years. The talent is better. I think everyone would, would agree with that. That being said, you know, they, they, they have it, like legitimately tried to find ways to lose games in certain games. I think about Eastern Washington. I think about the first quarter at UNC, Weber State this last week. But my gosh, I mean, they, they have – it's just phenomenal. Uh, and I finished the broadcast with Ty, you know, Ty Okada, like you're saying, that won't be beat mentality, which, which is, is coach speak. And, you know, that's an extension of what coach vegan is preaching in, in the staff, but they have this mentality that they won't be beat. They probably should have gotten beat, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to call it how it is. That's, that's kind of how I am on, on these broadcasts. Like they, in a lot of ways, they were outplayed for, for a good chunk of that game. The first quarter, no question. They couldn't have started any better. I mean, two, two, uh, two takeaways that led to points got up. I mean, it was 17-0 or 17-7, and, 
everything's looking good, and then, you know, then they just kind of start sputtering. Defense goes back to giving up big plays, and the offense kind of can't find its rhythm for a while, and you're just sitting there going, what <laughs> what, just, what happened to the first quarter? But I'll say this, too. You know, I I, I, uh, I was talking to some of the guys that I have relationships with that I recruited, the, the Okadas, the Callahan O'Reilly's, the Nolan Askelson, the, you know, those guys. And I said, listen, the last three Bobcats that came to Flagstaff lost. They found ways to lose. Four out of 14 Bobcat teams have lost here at the Walk-Up Skydome. You guys won. And, and, and compliments to you for finding a way to win at 7,000 feet. I mean, you can see it. You know you've covered the Grizz and the Bobcats for a long time. That place, that place gives you headaches, man. Just It is different. The dome is a different feel. The elevation, you know, I said it multiple times on Saturday. MSU is a better team. They're, they're a, better, they're, they're a better, better team than this outfit, but... NAU showed up, they coached well, they played well, and took the number three team in the country to the wire. And so compliments to MSU for finding a way to win, and that that won't be beat mentality. Compliments to NAU, too. I mean, they've got a lot of guys down. I just thought... I just thought they really coached and played their asses off on Saturday and, 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 you know, came up a little short. But the last two weeks, man, were awfully fun games to call, no question about it. Well, I mean, I put it in perspective like this. The Cats now have eight wins, so they're going to make the playoffs for the 11th time in the last 20 years. I've been covering the Cats as, like, a, a you know, on the beat for 12 years now. To put this in perspective, though, I had, before these last two years, I had only ever watched the Cats win in Cheney once, win in Ogden once, and never win in Flagstaff, ever. And that's in, a, in more than a decade of covering them. So even with the fact that they've been a playoff program, a successful program, you know, I mean, shares of, I think, six Big Sky championships over the last 20 years, they still were never winning in Flagstaff. They were still never winning in Ogden, and now they're doing it. And so I just, I just think it shows how much they really have turned the corner to truly become uh, an elite, elite program in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, you know, and, and I uh... – it's been fun for me. I mean, I definitely removed myself from from the program for a few years. And, you know, last year, the 21 season, I got season tickets and, and you know, just kind of started being a fan again, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then this, this opportunity happened and, and just getting to be around the team, man. And, and you know, I, I, I go with the team on these road trips, on the charter flights, and the, I'm around the hotel. And I'm just very impressed with the way this staff conducts business and this, this you know, business trip mentality. And there's not jacking around on the plane. And you know, it's uh, they're a very focused outfit, you know, and we've talked about it throughout the year. And they lost a lot of talent and they lost a lot of veteran leadership, but they also returned some really good veteran guys that, that are really really got this team pretty dialed i mean you, you can see i mean we watched on saturday especially you know especially defensively where some of the talent losses from last year are starting to show up you know and you know people you know and i i was a little uh, not critical but just kind of calling it as it was the secondary the secondary is kind of struggling they, they've got some i think i use the term soul searching in terms of their coverages and communication and, and things that they need to really batten down the hatch for as we're now, you know, in the middle of November and they're trying to, yes, they will make the playoffs in all likelihood. They're going to be a top seed in the playoffs. Sure. But there's just some things where, you know, it just, it's just like you keep seeing it every week and you're going, and again, I got no skin in the game, man. I mean, I, I live in Bozeman. I married a Bobcat who also coached for the Grizz. I coached for the Grizz for a long time. We finished my career with the Bobcat. But I'm rooting for this outfit. I'm rooting for some of these guys. I'm rooting for some of these coaches that I've worked with and known for a long time. Um, but, you know, just as a fan and, and, and as a former defensive coach, and it's not like I'm, I'm never going to sit here and tell you that I'm Dick LeBeau or Bill Belichick defensively. But, you know, when you sit up and you watch it, you're just going, huh, you know, we, we, you guys, you guys, you guys got to continue to figure some of this stuff out. Otherwise, when you play a really good team, you're going to get your butt beat, you know, in, in a hurry. So – but no, man, phenomenal game, and you kind of finished. You kind of finished your question slash comment on Tommy. I don't think Tommy played especially well. I really don't. Now, I don't think they're passing. I don't think they're passing game. No, and I say that because I I opened the broadcast with saying that I thought Tommy Malott played one of his most complete games the week prior. You know, by week prior against Weber State, I just thought you know running, passing, he was on point minus that first interception. That guy looked like a real dude in this league on on Saturday. The better quarterback was R.J. Mark. Martinez. That for kid sure. is a dude, man. For a young, for he that kid, I've watched NAU uh, throughout the year, but to watch it live, I'm just sitting there going, "Dang!" It, you know, and it goes back to our conversation a week ago. How you know, the, just 
these programs, and I know Montana State's kind of found their guy in Tommy and being a local guy that they've got to recruit, develop, and now watching the fruits of. They've got Sean Chambers for another year who, you know, who's got his skill set. But I'm watching this R.J. Martinez going, this is a real dude. This kid can really play. He can make all the throws. He's savvy. He's good with his hips. He's good with his feet. Um, but, yeah, man, Tommy Malott, he didn't even, he didn't even finish the day 50%. And I'll be honest, like, again, I'm I'm just a fan now and and do this broad I I I, I uh, moonlight as a broadcaster but their ba- their passing game really is it, it, it's it's nothing special just schematically wise I mean I'm just telling you it, it is RPO boot and take shots down the field to Willie Patterson well Will, Willie's a good player and I think Willie's having a first first team all conference year but he doesn't have the length as as Lance McCutcheon did and so you're throwing it up to a five nine kid that's expected to go jump up and get these balls. It's just not really, you know, 50, 50 balls to Willie Patterson aren't 50, 50 balls. Uh, you know, they're more, they're more, they're more 30, 70 balls where Lance McCutcheon, they're more 60, 40 in, in, in their favor. So, um, but, but yeah, man, that last play, I mean, I, I said it at the end of the broadcast and I, 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 I said, I'm not trying to be a little dramatic. It might not be the player play of the year in FCS football. It might not even be the play of the year in big sky football, but for Montana state's program with everything on the line in terms of still vying for a conference championship, still vying for the playoffs slash they've made the playoffs. They're now just looking to be a, a, a top seed and get home field throughout. I really think that could end up being the play of the year, just with, with it, the down and distance, him being flushed from the pocket, him running to his right, having having to throw with with all his momentum going to his right, watching Taco Dallar, who's a freshman from Billings, Montana, have to recognize the situation, adjust his route, and then look up into a very different. I mean, people don't people don't think about these things, but I said it like that. That's not the same as playing outside. That's not pl- the same as playing, you know, in a in an outdoor stadium. Um, you know, you're looking straight up in the lights into a dome. Perfect pass, perfect catch, and the rest is history. You know, it's just unbelievable game. Again, compliments to NAU and the game plan they came out. They, I thought they probably should have won the game, man. But again, won't be me, won't be beat. They found a way to win at seven thousand feet, and you know they're setting themselves up for another road trip. So they got you know business business trip, and they got to go down. It's, it's at night. You know, again, I feel like, I feel like you and I, every time you and I talk, I'm making, I, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just telling you that when you go on the road, it's hard. For when, sure. you gotta, when, you, when you're used to play, when you're used to playing at 12, one, two, and now you're playing at five or six at night and you're not going to get home to Montana till 2 AM. That's different. You know, that's just challenging in, in a different respect. And so they gotta, they gotta be, are there, are, is Cal Poly even close to them athletically? Oh man. Talent wise? coaching wise no i mean you witnessed it on saturday they're they're at home at san louis on grass different at night different they just gotta they gotta go stay focused and play you know complete four quarter game as opposed to i mean again i i think i referred to i think i referred to the cats coming out of halftime as bipolar it's just a bipolar outfit their defense can look really good and then they can look like the worst in the league their offense can just grind you out and then and then sputter around and putts around and you're going wait you guys are averaging 40 points a game and, and f- almost 500 yards a game. What are we doing for a quarter and a half or two quarters? So, I mean, the, the, the league is setting up, I think, exact other than, other than Eastern, I'd say the league is, is basically setting up the way we all thought it was going to, pre- you know, three, four months ago. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Ty Gregor, Jonas here on the Big Sky Breakdown, presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. 
JV Restaurant supply your home for everything kitchen, still tailgate season. So go to JVRestaurant.com to see what you can get to make your tailgate as good as it possibly can be. You got a rivalry game in a couple weeks, so you want to get that tailgate all the way pimped out. I was so impressed. I agree with RJ Martinez. He is the real deal. I think if he takes one more step, he'll be absolutely the dude in the league, the best pure quarterback uh, in the big sky. I also think there's there's a little bit of a I think you can kind of pinpoint the the polarity of Montana State's offense. And I think some of it is Tommy Malott. And that's why I think you stick with him because I do think that Tommy is an incredibly analytical kid. He's super smart. I think he diagnoses stuff maybe too detailed sometimes rather than just kind of letting it rip. And I think sometimes in the pre-snap stuff they have him doing and the RPO stuff they have him doing, sometimes he'll get it checked into the right thing and he'll get him right into the perfect run play. And that's why they just plow you over. He'll know how to keep it at the right time. And, And his ball skills in the read option game are the most underrated part about him. I think that's the thing that is his most elite skill is his, his deception with the ball and then also his ability to run in the open field I mean he's one of the best athletes in the league period I mean you saw it on that that 50 yard touchdown run on their first score but then I also think sometimes he tries to jam a square peg into a round hole because of what the defenses are showing in pre-snap and he you know they're showing him a heavy box so he's checking in to throw in that back shoulder fade but then sometimes he'll let it sail and he talked about that he talked about the ball sailing because of the elevation and stuff but I think that the reason you stick with him though is because when it comes down to the end he knows how to step up and make a play and we, we talked about Brent Vegan having a guy that being a guy that, that does nothing but win here at Montana State well don't look now but time a lot's 10 and 1 as the starter at Montana State for all of his ups and downs and then mistakes he makes and how you know you can see the glimpses of what he could be but he's not quite there at the end of the day, man, at the end of the games, that's the guy I want with the ball in his hand. So, uh, you know, I think that Brett Vegan keeps saying it. That's what that's what's going to be the progression. As soon as Tommy Mallott sees the whole the whole picture, then it's going to be look out for the rest of the big sky. But uh, certainly uh, really, really good uh, in the end of games, and I think that's been huge for Montana State. Let's talk briefly about the Grizz before I let you go. Uh, Montana just rolled through Cal Poly. I'll be so interested to see what you think of Cal Poly coming out of your trip to San Luis Obispo because, uh, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into a rebuilding program and why they struggle. Cal Poly's young. They can't take a lot of transfers. The guys they do have on their roster are not physically ready to play in the Big Sky Conference. They got pushed around by Montana from start to finish. But all those things are things you can say, okay, we can deal with that because it'll get better with time. I was so unimpressed with Cal Poly's effort on Saturday. I thought they fully gave up after 14 nothing. And maybe part of that was because it was 15 degrees in the snow, you know, under the under the Washington Grizzly Stadium lights. And, you know, the, I mean, the atmosphere was completely dead because the Grizz, I mean, the game was over after the first quarter. So three quarters of the fans just left. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go in. Still, I thought they needed to have way more pride than they showed. And uh, I thought it was a, honestly a pathetic showing by Cal Poly. That said, though, here's Montana. And now we have a nine-game sample size. And when the Grizz are the definitive better team, they rip your head off and they just completely kill you. And uh, when they play good teams, uh, they have folded. And, and that's exactly it. They've beaten six teams they were way better than, and they lost to the three teams that were any good that they've played so far. So I'm just wondering, like, what does it take to harness the momentum and the mentality from last week? Like, how do you go out and play well and execute well and, you know, play with the confidence that the system that Bobby Houck runs needs. How do you carry that forward? How do you carry that into this week? I just wonder if they can replicate it again. Well, they're at home again against a Eastern Washington who, you know, is 1A on the rival list. I mean, truly, I mean, depending on how you want to look at Idaho anymore, just jumping back in the league. But I know in that, in that part of Montana, there's a lot of dislike for Eastern and it's really just because Eastern's really gotten good over the years it's interesting to see them have I mean this has got to be probably one of their most one of their poorest years in a long time I mean they're not very good like you said Montana's playing at home harnessing that momentum I didn't get to watch the game culture because we were flying home from Flagstaff but just reading about it kind of looking at the stats it looked very much like uh, we're going to take three weeks really four with Idaho State we're going to take we're going to take the last month out on 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 this outfit you know I would say it's very un-Bo Baldwin-esque when you say they just kind of folded and gave up i'll say this now man and you and i both know when you go almost two decades of of running a particular style of scheme that is very unorthodox and abnormal in college football anymore and then you flip that and do a 180 that's going to take time and i and bo baldwin's a smart guy he knew that there was going to be a lot of heavy lifting when he took this job it's an excellent academic 
academic program, which no offense to Eastern Washington, but you're talking to apples and oranges just in terms of being able to get kids into the school. When you go from, when you go from a triple option outfit for the better part of two decades, and then you flip it to a spread, you know, we're going to sling it, run power, gap scheme. From, from just the, the sheer front standpoint, the offensive line, that's going to take time. Now, I've started looking over their roster and starting doing some research for this week's game. Um, they're, they're starting to get those 6'4", six, 6'5", six, got a couple 6'7", six, kids, you know, but it's still, it's still uh, littered with a bunch of 6'1", six, you know, six foot, six foot offensive linemen that you know, they've been trying to basically recruit out of their program to start fitting this offense. They've got a two coordinator system on defense. You and I, uh, you and I know, uh, Cody Von Oppen. He's the son of Fred Von Oppen, um, who coached with us at Montana, coached in Super Bowls, wonderful man, wonderful coach. You know, that, that is different this year because, um, oh God, what's his face? The, the, the good, uh, the really good linebacker from Eastern Washington, that coached Bo, he joined up at all. JC left. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank because because I, you know, one of the better linebackers, or at least one of the better careers to ever come through the the Big Sky Conference. He joined up at, at Auburn as a as an analyst. I, I wonder if he's regretting his move now that he'll be unemployed here soon. Um, just a fascinating game, though. You know, just again reading, listening to you, your last couple shows seemed like a very uh, pound your chest, going to take out some aggression on this outfit. Um, and then, and then they're home, and you know that Montana will get up for Eastern as they always do. Even though Eastern's sitting at uh, what two and seven now, it's still Coach Best versus Coach Coach Houck and and years of, of great games, great heated games against each other. So yeah, man, they just got to keep keep what they did against Pauly, keep that going, and and you know both both teams want to look sharp. I know Montana State's got to go on the road. Montana's at home. The bye weeks are over. But both teams want to go play clean, you know, well-executed football games going into the brawl. I mean, it's no, no, neither, neither side will talk about the brawl. Uh, guys like you and me can, can start doing some pre, you know, pre-planning and we're starting to get gear, stuff geared up with, with MTN. And none of that matters, man. I mean, none of that matters this week because they still got too big. I mean, it's a huge week for Montana State. I mean, it's a huge week, man. They, there are two teams that truly control their own destiny, and that is Sacramento State and Montana State. Montana State hasn't ho- ho- hoisted a, a Big Sky championship in a decade. You know, Sac State's kind of been, been, been the, the little brother, so to speak, that's kind of grown up, and they, they've, they've kind of had a, a, a little minor stranglehold on the Big Sky the last couple of years. So everything to play for still for probably four or five of these programs, like you and I joked a month ago or more, I said, UC Davis has got to be out of it. They just don't look like, well, they still have a chance. Like you said, they're, they're not out. They still have a chance. So you figure Sac State, Montana, Weber State, Davis is still a dark horse, Idaho and the job they're doing. They've got a real shot, like a, a great shot. And then obviously the Cats, man, awesome, awesome way to finish out the last two weeks of Big Sky play. Last thing for you then, the Grizz, I think, even though Eastern's way down, I don't think there's really an opportunity for a trap game because it is a home game against a rival. I mean, Bobby Houck won't call him their rival, but it's a rival. And people don't like Eastern Washington in Missoula. I mean, I actually think the Grizz fans hate Eastern Washington more than they hate the Cats. So, uh, And I think there's going to be a lot of... there's yeah, going to be a lot of, of day, desire to, to whoop Eastern because they have had some uh, you know back and forth the last couple of years. They handed Montana one of their only regular season losses a year ago. So I don't think the Grizz are, are really in trouble for a trap game. I think they'll use it to get right going in the rivalry. But the Cats have this rivalry on the horizon, and they are playing the worst team in the league in Cal Poly on the road. So I would be shocked if the – I mean, after what I saw, I don't think Cal Poly could beat anybody. I mean, I really don't. I don't th- – I mean – I'm actually surprised they were in games with Idaho State and and uh, Northern Arizona. As crazy as that sounds, I mean Idaho State's not good at all. And I I, was, I thought Idaho State was way better than Cal Poly from what I saw in person. I know it's toward the end of the year, the snowstorm, all that stuff. But I mean, is there any worry that the Cats are falling into a trap game here? Or how do they avoid that narrative? The, the Cats or the, or the Grizz? The, the Cats. I think the Grizz do not have it. I, but how, I mean, how do the how do the Cats avoid yeah, it? Because yeah. it is a new no, place, I, no, San I, Luis I, Obispo. I, uh, a lot of these guys haven't been there before, so I mean, how how do they avoid not stubbing their toe? Yeah, no, I, I don't think. I just don't think that Coach Vegan and Co. will ever let them have that mentality. Like I, like last week, you could call it the letdown, right? But they won. I mean, it was they didn't play. They didn't play great. They didn't. You know, NAU is not that good. They've got it's it's. It's standard NAU stuff, man. There's good athletes on the team. 
they've got the makings to be real good. They're just not there yet. But no, they, they, this staff won't allow them to, to go have a I'm air quoting trap game. And going back to what you were saying, dude, like you said, Coach Howe won't admit it, and the Grizz fans, you know, but they don't they don't like him. But they won't. Why why can't why can't why can't you have a, other rivals? I mean, I, I just don't, I mean, are you telling me that you know Auburn Alabama is one of the great rivalries of college football, but Auburn and Georgia is a great rivalry too. You know, Ohio State Michigan. Great rivalry. You don't think Michigan and Michigan State's a great rivalry? I mean, you know, like Eastern Eastern has become a great rival, period. You know, Idaho, they play for the Little Brown Stein. Are you telling me that's not a rivalry of some kind? Is it the brawl? No. But these are also rivalries. So, like, you can you can, you can can suck it up and say, yeah, it's, it's been a good rivalry over the years. But what do I know, Coulter? I guess it, it, it is a rivalry. It, they, they've been in the league a long time together. No, I don't, going, going back to Cal Poly, man, I, I just, yes, it's going to be a different feel, grass, outdoors, 5,000 people, whatever it will be. I just don't believe that talent-wise, they can, they, they can or will have a letdown. I don't believe that. Ty Gregorak here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Ty, thanks for taking a minute for us, man, and uh, travel safe. Enjoy enjoy the sunshine of San Louis. That sounds pretty good right about now, and uh, travel safe. Buddy, I am in my car right now. The snow has stopped, which is the first time today, and it is 8 degrees. So like I said, it will be one of the few times in my life where I can verbally say I can't wait to go to California this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm fired up, man. So thank, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you as always. And Coulter, I will see you next week for the 121st, my man. Look forward to talking to you. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Hey guys, Ryan Tutel here for SkylineSportsMT.com. You know, when we brought Coulter on a year ago, it was a huge boost to ESPN Radio because no one knows more about the Grizz and Cats than he does. But Coulter is a journalist first and started Skyline Sports to cover the Big Sky explicitly full-time with no corporate interference. Just the sports teams and people you care about unfiltered. I'm in the sports media, I understand the landscape, and I can tell you, there is simply no better sports journalism done in the state of Montana than that of Skyline Sports. Improve your habits. Go to SkylineSportsMT.com.